inside In the darkness is the light Out of the shadows of my life Welcome once more to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And today we are talking about, I believe it's episode 12, season 2? I don't know. what. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, sure. Okay, it's it's Banshee is what we're talking about. One of the most iconic episodes of So Weird, and also well, one of the best. Well, you know, if any So Weird episode can said to be iconic, I would say this is definitely one of them. <laughs> exactly. The most memorable, I feel like, for a lot of people. Definitely yeah, for and me. Every time I saw that clip in the intro where you could see his feet leaving the ground, I knew it was season two. I knew it was going to be good, and I always hoped that it was this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was definitely one that stuck with me um, when I first saw it as a kid, and when I, you know, would think about the show years later, I would definitely usually go back to this one. Especially, I mean, we'll talk about it in more detail later, but the end when Molly is singing and Thea is having her encounter with the Banshee, that really stuck with me. That's, that's a memory I had for a long time before I finally got to revisit the show. Definitely. So, well, I guess we should just go into the premise for this one? Yes. Okay. So, the, the Phillips family is visiting Molly's parents. Road trip to Grandma and Grandpa's house. Yeah, and there's some tension there because... Molly and her dad don't really get along. He's a grumpy old man. It seems to be implied that the last time they met, they parted on bad terms. So there's some tension in the house. Um, and that is until in the middle of the night while they're there, Fiona's awoken by a strange sound, goes into her grandparents' bedroom and sees a spectral female form floating above her grandfather. And she quickly learns that this is the banshee that haunts the O'Shannon family, her mother's, her uh, grandmother's side of the family. Did you just say O'Shannon? Did I say O'Shannon? Yes. What is it? That's it. That's it? But we've heard <laughs> that name before, haven't we? Have we? <laughs> In the episode Strangeling, at the very end of the episode, where Fiona's holding that book of magic spells, she sees the name O'Shannon, and she asks Molly what Grandma Kathleen's maiden name was, and she says, Oh, Shannon. And it's woo foreshadowing. Uh, you know, I'm so glad you guys... That in this episode. I'm so glad you guys are here to pick up on this stuff. <laughs> 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 yeah, anyway, the point is, Fee's grandfather may be dying, and that's the conflict of the episode right there. And in the episode Werewolf, uh, Molly like briefly mentions her tension with her dad, and I think that's the episode where she's playing the guitar, like starting to write the song The Rock, which is about her dad. So now we finally get to see and um, hear, like, what's the story between them? Well, we get a little bit of it. They're just, we, we never hear of any specific incidences or anything like that, but there just definitely seems to be some father-daughter issues there about, you know, from, from what we hear, Molly was apparently a bit of a rambunctious teenager and there's just, like I said, there's a lot of tension between them. Yeah, and we get hints of that all the way back to season one in Rebecca, where she has that talk with Jack in the hotel room, where she says, oh, when I was Fiona's age, I didn't get along with your grandma and grandpa too well. Don't tell them I said that. Mm-hmm. And you can see, like, the grandparents and grandpa gets along with Jack and Fee just fine. 
gives them little chocolate coins and tells them not to tell the grandmother. And it's cute, but every time Molly walks in the room, it's just like ice, cold shoulder. Yeah, and I don't know, when I was just rewatching this like a half an hour ago, my first thought was, um, you know, initially when she gives her father that plaque uh, and he reacts kind of coldly, Molly's very offended by this, and my reaction was, well, you know, it's just a shitty plaque. I mean, come on, it's not anything to get upset about. <laughs> but yeah. but then there is that scene later where they have an argument, and he is a pretty big dick to her. So she has uh, she has the rights to be the right to be annoyed with her dad. Also, he's probably a hard person to shop for. Do <laughs> <laughs> you get a grumpy old man? You know he likes Ireland, so okay, buy him a talk of Ireland makes sense. Doesn't really. He says in the episode he hates that old rock, right? I don't. It, it does seem like an unusual gift, considering yeah. he's distanced himself physically from that place. So, so Molly did not pick a kind. She was thinking about Ireland. Yeah. The, the plaque, the word means welcome. So she's kind of trying to make amends, you know, like, you're welcome to spend time with me, you know, that Welcoming sort of thing, I guess. Welcoming him back into her life. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Because at the end, you're always welcome here whenever he puts up the sign. So that's kind of nice, I think. Kind of yeah. ties in well. They bring that back around. Now, what do we think of the Irish accents in this episode? I was so confused when I watched this as a child because I thought they were actually in Ireland when I was little. Me too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was they like, don't specify where they're at, but I think it's in the script. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the original script, it says that they live in Philadelphia. Oh, I would never have guessed that. Yeah, I didn't get a Philly vibe at all. No. <laughs> they definitely don't have the accents for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I got the impression like that they're... the same Philadelphia that Corey Matthews lives in. Totally suburban. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I got the impression, I got like a, a Pacific Northwest impression from this. I was thinking like Oregon or something like that. That's the, the trees and everything. I mean, I know it's Vancouver, but um, <laughs> that's that's the impression I got. But yeah, when I was a kid, I thought they were I in Ireland wondered... too. I so. wondered... Yeah, I always wondered, hey, how come Molly doesn't have an accent like theirs? <laughs> because her parents immigrated here, and she grew up here, so she grew up with the American accent. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know. I guess I just never thought there was anything especially Irish about her. Uh, I mean, when you know that her you know, mother's maiden name is O'Shannon, like, oh, well, that's super Irish, but Phillips is not especially, doesn't sound especially Irish to me, but, you know, whatever. But that's not her main name. <laughs> oh, well, you, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the, in the John Cooksey FAQ, I remember reading something about how Molly's Irish ancestry all comes from the fact that the original creator of the pilot, Tom Astle, gave the characters Irish-sounding names, Molly, Jack, and Fiona. And they just took those names and ran with it and created this backstory for Molly as having Irish parents. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and John Cooksey did actually write this one, so. It explains why it's one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I remember, like, in one of our early episodes, I made some reference to how 
for most So Weird fans, I think like uh, Rebecca and Banshee are probably their favorite episodes. And I got a little shade at that time. But now everybody's coming around like, oh, yeah, no, Banshee's great. All right, guys, let's see how it is. I feel like as what? I there was shade. <laughs> as I get older, I this episode more and more, and also Rebecca, because Molly has really stood out to me as such a fantastic character. Like when I when I was younger, I didn't care about Molly because like, oh, she's a grown up, she's boring. <laughs> but the more I I grow up and I deal with things like losing my dad and being able to see stupid teenagers as stupid teenagers, I I am so one hundred percent team Molly Phillips. Um, I love her backstory. I love her as a character. She's wonderful. You know, honestly, some of the best episodes are Molly centric, except for Fathom. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> You know, even even going into like season three, like one of the best episodes of season three, it's Muse, which is Molly centric. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this is like I said, this is one I definitely remember a lot. And when I revisited it uh, first time a few years back, it definitely it, this is this is top tier. So weird. This is some pretty strong stuff. Yeah. So you yeah. have a storyline going on with Molly and her father, and then we also started to talk a little bit about. Fiona coming to terms with realizing that her grandfather is dying. Do we want to start talking about that a little bit? Sure. I- anytime we can get sad Cara Delizia, the episode's better. Yeah. That scene where she's on the couch talking with first her grandmother and then Molly, talking about how she's scared that he's going to die and she feels like she's the only person who cares. That's just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Her grandma, um, her grandma's the one that brings up like the banshee is and the myth of it following the O'Shannons. And that just adds mm-hmm. to Fee's fear of what she's thinking that her grandpa's gonna die soon. Especially they were having the walk on. Yeah, and I think it's like it's called like can't burn. Yeah. What? Wait, wait. It's the word for the 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 burial mound. Oh, yeah, the Caron or Kern or. Yeah, the, the, the whatever that yeah, is. the Irish burial mound, which gave me some serious Blair Witch vibes. Yeah, I always had hard to see that I didn't really understand what it was they were looking at. Like I could understand that they think it's like some sort of omen that he's going to die, but it, I was looking at it and just like it's just a pile of rocks. Well, clearly it was a pile of rocks that wasn't there the day before, and it's not like a small pile. You know, it, it is weird. You know, walking into your property and suddenly there's a big pile of rocks. <laughs> Never seemed that ominous to me. I never saw it as scary. But I do think, like, the way that Kathleen reacted to it was what set Fiona off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we get a lot of uh, mytholo- mythology building in this episode, world building here, because first off, we find out that Fiona's interest in the supernatural is something she totally gets from her grandmother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because. Grandma Kathleen says something about witches in the families, in the family. I don't know if that was alluding to her grandma Fiona was a witch or she believed in that. Yeah, and then there's the whole thing with the magic, well, quote-unquote magic, the rings that have significance. Yeah, she, great-grandmother Fiona was the one who brought them and gave it knowing that, like, Rick was the one for Molly. Uh-huh. Yeah, because she was magical, you know. <laughs> she could sense that kind of thing. And um, 
we've talked about it a lot on this show. I think it comes up every episode, the whole thing with Jack being a reincarnated knight. And that's where we get some big visual foreshadowing here, visual foreshadowing for a thing that would never actually come to pass in the real show. But when Fiona's going through the spooky hall of spirits at the end, and there's a suit of armor there for some reason. And then that visually fades from the suit of armor to Jack or from Jack to the suit of armor, something like that. Still one of the coolest realizations of the show for me when I read that the first time and then rewatched this episode, I was just like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, they really thought ahead on that one because it would be easy to say that that was just a, a happy coincidence, but it seems pretty deliberate. Yeah, especially with what we've seen in, in Strangeling as well with him as a knight. And yeah, ties what it seems to make sense. So who wants to talk about the, uh, the visual effects for the Banshee itself? thought it was pretty good. Like, it wasn't cringeworthy, like, the dragon strangeling. I thought it was good special effects. Yeah, compared to some of the effects we've seen on the show, it actually does look pretty good for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. The only thing that I really have an issue with is just at the end when Fiona's hanging out in the woods and the banshee just swoops in like, hey! <laughs> what do you mean? Well, just the way it just, it just pans to her and suddenly she's in the shot. I don't know. The visual language makes me laugh. Oh, I kind of like it. Like she's hovering by the cairn. I don't know. It makes sense to me. And, you know, and that whole, like I said, I referenced it before. The thing I really remember from the episode was the song and that whole visual presentation of the last act, which is really well edited. They're cutting in between Molly singing for her dad and Fiona walking through this weird spooky hall of spirits and then jack running around the woods with the flashlight and you know that last part of jack running around the woods it's almost goofy because it's like we have two really serious things happening and then he's just like looking around the woods waving his flashlight around <laughs> just disappeared he's worried and i always thought that like the castle she was in is like the ruins of where night jack used to live or something yeah, and I don't know if that, I mean, if that was a pre-existing set or something they built, but that, if it's, it, that's going to be one of the best sets in all of So Weird. Yeah, and it's so mysterious, and I want to know more about it. Like, what's the history behind it? How did Fiona and the Banshee just magically get there? Is it, like, a real place or, like, a spirit place? What is it about? Yeah, I always assumed it, it has to be some sort of spirit world thing. Yeah, it's a good set. I don't know where they dug that up, but it's super cool looking. Yeah, and I really love the way they portrayed the afterlife as, like, at the end of the hallway. And we can't see what it is, but you can clearly infer what it is. And the yeah. way Fiona's, like, lifted up off the ground by the sheer force of it. Yeah, that's a nice touch. And the mm -hmm. big wooden doors blocking the way to this tremendous light that, you know, it's pretty cool stuff. And Kara's acting in that was fantastic. Well, the scene's resting a lot on her because she has to be believable enough that you can buy that she can talk the omniscient rulers of the spirit world over to her side just with her words. Yeah, and I really like how you get the sense like she's talking to death itself. Like she's scared, but she's brave. And like the winds are so great that she has to shout over them. And that saying where she's like, you took my father when I was three. How fair is that? It's such a poignant moment. Well, yeah, and that's the moment where we get some more 
mythology there because we find out that whoever is responsible for such things in the world of So Weird didn't take her father from her. So it's a pretty relevant plot point that comes up. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and it's also interesting to note that in the version of Banshee that we see, Fiona is able to win and the Banshee relents and says that your grandfather will not die for now. But in the original script, Fiona would have had to give up years of her life too in exchange for his to go along with the balance that some die, others live. Yeah, um, that, that is interesting. I had read that before. I think, what, is it Emily who has the copy of the script? Yeah, I, uh, so I guess a couple years ago, I heard about this, that Fee was originally going to give up years of her life, and I was like, whoa, this is way too badass. I need to talk to John Cooksey <laughs> to see if this was actually going to happen. So, yeah, I tweeted him because, you know, I'd heard about it. But I just want to make sure. And, you know, I was just like, was she really going to give up years of her life? And he said, yeah, do you want the script? And I was like, uh, yeah, please. So uh, <laughs> he just sent me the script, like, within a couple hours. And I was blown away by that act of generosity. Um, so, yeah, it's actually on our forum, but I guess I could read out part of the script related to this scene. Because I think it's interesting, the wording of it. So, you know, after Fee says, I want my grandpa to live, uh, it says, the Banshee listens to something unheard, then says, on behalf of the unseen presence, it cannot be changed. There is a balance. Some die, others live. And Fee impulsively says, if you have to keep a balance, then take some of my life. The Banshee is taken aback. That would do it, right? Give some of my years to my grandpa. And the Banshee says, you are young. You don't know what you offer. And then Fee says, I already lost my dad. I know what it means to die before your time. But that taught me something. It taught me that none of us know how long we really have. And I'd rather have my grandpa now than some years I might or might not have later. And so then that's when... You know, I guess the rings and all that. Uh, it it kind of goes back to the way the episode was or aired. So I just think that's really interesting, though. I love that. Yeah, like, I, I can envision Kara saying that too, as B. Mm -hmm. Now, do we know if that scene was shot or was it cut before they filmed? <laughs> well, I don't know for sure. Uh,. I have a feeling it was cut before they filmed. This script, this version of the script was done in May of 1999. Um, I don't know when, I guess we don't know the, when uh, the episodes were actually shot, do we? But it could have been like the first script, but then they go over it again and they have yeah. a second script. And so, yeah. Um, I was just curious because, you know, not that we're ever going to get an official DVD release, but like a deleted scene like that is the kind of thing that would be on a uh, DVD release if such a thing did exist. Yeah, oh God, that, would that would be incredible. Deleted scenes, a blooper reel. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, for sure, just interviews with the cast and 
you know, HD versions of those network bumpers and the kind of thing that you can find on YouTube in like 218 pixels. <laughs> Anywho, um, yeah, so I looked it up. The uh, actress playing the Banshee, by the way, has a really cool name. That's Ocean Hellman. Ocean. Really interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's what IMDb is telling me. She has a lot of other TV credits. And um, another thing, both the... Um, well, first off, the uh, actress who plays Grandma Kathleen, Mary Black, has been in a lot of things. Uh, she was also in the Superman movie, Man of Steel, with um, the other so weird actor, Mackenzie oh, Gray. Uh, Mackenzie. Yeah. And, yeah. and what's interesting is both Mary, well, it's, maybe it's just interesting to me, but both uh, Mary Black, who plays the grandmother, and Terrence Kelly, who plays the grandfather, um, were also in a movie together. They were in The Exorcism of, um, was it Mary something? What was that movie with Jennifer Carpenter? Emily uh, Rose. Emily Rose. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they are both in that. I don't think they have any scenes together or anything, but they're both in that movie. Hmm. That's cool, though. Yeah, it's sort well, of interesting. The things you most, can dig up on the internet. <laughs> most recently, you can see the woman who plays Grandma Kathleen in a series of unfortunate events. And she has a very funny uh, role in that that show that a lot of people that stuck out to a lot of people. So, yeah, I mean, and both both actors have had really prolific careers, and it looks like um, Terrence Kelly has a had a, or had a recurring role in the show Bates Motel. IMDb is telling me so. What? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, know, I just yeah. don't notice these things. Yeah, it says he played Dickie Bolton in six episodes. No idea. Didn't watch that show, but that's interesting, you know. Sort of cool to think about. And they're both pretty good in this episode, even though they're clearly speaking with affected accents. <laughs> Every time I've seen that guy, though, Terrence Kelly and something, he always has some kind of accent going on. It's never neutral. So I don't know if that's just his shtick or if it's genuine in some way. <laughs> I don't know. Um... Yeah, and so I guess what I, you know, I keep referencing it, but the thing I really want to talk about for this episode is the song The Rock, which, you know, I, I, they say that music stays with you longer than most things do. And like I said, the, you know, it was the same way with Rebecca. The song from that episode just stuck with me for years and years, and very much the song from this episode is something that I would just randomly drift into my brain long after I first saw the episode. And when finally high quality versions of the, the music got on the internet a while back, that was so exciting to finally be able to hear a version of the song that doesn't have Jack yelling for fee in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah honest, even when I hear that version, I still, my mind just puts in Jack's voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you listen to it so much. I think the same was with uh, love is broken. Yeah. Yeah, because there's there's so much um, ambient sound and dialogue in that in the mm -hmm. version of that that was available for a long time. Um, though you know you do notice when you're watching it now um, that even though Molly is playing a acoustic guitar, for some reason she has a full <coughs> accompaniment. That's fancy TV stuff. You don't think about when you're a kid. Like I've never picked up on that ever. Yeah, well, you can you can presume that her dad is just hearing her playing her guitar, but we in TV land can hear the uh, the drums and such in the background. Mm -hmm. um. also, I really love the Jack and Fee dynamic in this episode. 
lots of stuff of him being the big brother. Yeah, the way when Fiego sneaks out at night, he just checks up like, where are you going? And won't let her go out alone. He has to follow her too. The sibling rivalry. And it's so cute the way like Jack's like, so when you say that Ned is possessed by a malevolent sea captain, yeah. I think to myself, okay, Fiona has this her own unique perspective. Blah, blah, blah. But then when Fee says, so why are you seriously here then if you don't take this seriously? And he says something about, oh, if someone's playing a trick on Grandpa, I want to know about it. And you're like, Jack, just say you care about her, okay? Yeah, the yeah. most bullshit excuse possible. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it kills me. I mean, that's just the, you know, the Agent Scully syndrome. Like, Jack's seen enough stuff at this point that really he shouldn't be so skeptical but he has to be because that's the dynamic of the show. Yeah. I also like to think that it's like a subconscious effort to like protect himself because maybe it's one of those rules about reincarnation that like you're not supposed to know about your past life. So by denying anything's weird, like he's preserving his own purpose or destiny or whatever. That is putting a lot of thought into it. Um, <laughs> now... <laughs> Um, now, the, the one thing about this episode that, just rewatching it, that really kind of struck me as hard to believe, really the only thing about this episode that kind of bugs me, is the fact that nobody else is woken up by this, you know, hellish banshee scream that only Fiona hears it. And well, maybe Jack says Fiona's something the only like, one listening for it. Well, maybe, but Jack says something like, <laughs> oh, I thought I heard a dog barking. And it's like, you know, I don't know about you, man, but I have not heard a dog that sounds like that. Yeah. That's creepy stuff. And, and I also guess like the brain hears what it wants to hear. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> the point is everybody should be weirded out. You know, it's not just Fiona that should be the one that's freaked out by what's happening here. Well, the grandmother. Maybe Fiona too. hears it the clearest, and everyone else doesn't. <laughs> but um, but really. <laughs> because everyone else, they they can like they like Molly made a weird face and Jack does at one point. Well, you know, and it's happened before and after on the show where something weird happens and only Fiona is willing to accept that it was supernatural and everybody else just kind of shrugs it off. I mean, we'll be, you'll be seeing a big example here and with strange geometry where Molly walks right into a weird ass situation and then walks back out like, huh, <laughs> that was weird. Not thinking <laughs> like, Oh yeah, I just walked into a ghost generator or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> But, you know, like I said, really, that's the only thing about this episode that, that bugs me, because otherwise I really like this one a lot. This is probably my number two So Weird episode. There are definitely times when I think it's, maybe Rebecca's the best one, but this is my fave. I don't know. For me, what keeps this episode from being my number one is that I don't really understand what happens with the rings. It's never made sense to me, and it feels like a bit of a cop-out. I don't know. To me. So whenever it, Yeah. Like how does to me it's the episode seems to be implying that the rings something with the rings is what ultimately saves her grandpa. But I, I don't get it. Like what happened? I never thought of it that way. I always just thought of it as like a cool editing trick and a way to connect Molly and Fiona. Because they've done that before back in Medium where first Molly was looking at that picture of Rick and the camera pans to the picture 
and her hand holding it, and then it fades out to Fiona's hand in the same position, mm-hmm. and it's like the same hand, same ring, same picture. Yeah, but at least in this scene, it, they were glowing. So I always just thought of it as it's magical and something magical just happened. Yeah, that's why that's the way I take it too. And so it's always felt like really that's what ultimately saves him is some kind of magical force. You know, I never got it that the I never got the impression that the rings were magical. I just thought it was a cool scene transition mm-hmm. and for a way to build on the idea that the uh Phillips or O'Shannon family has this history of magic and mysticism in them. Same. So I guess it just depends on how you interpret that. <laughs> but, yeah, because you, it's like right after that, she gets forced back to the ground, right? Yeah, and it's a um, little detail, but I love it that she comes out really cold and kind of frosty. And just this idea that brushing so close against the spirit world or death or what have you has a, this very visceral physical effect on somebody. And it's a little thing, but that's another detail that really stuck with me. They actually mentioned that in the original script that um, I think that they were hoping that they could get a set that was cold enough for the castle where you could actually see Fee's breath. Uh, And they couldn't afford a refrigerated set, so instead they just have her being cold when she pops out. Yeah. Well, still, that's pretty cool. And it's interesting because I was thinking this episode, to me, it seems to be pretty well directed. Um, And this was directed by John Poser, who uh, did a couple of a bunch of season three episodes. Like the only season two stuff he did was this one in Shelter, and he did like six episodes in season two, which is weird because I don't think of season or uh, several episodes in season three. I mean, uh, which is weird because I don't think of season three as being particularly well directed. But the visual presentation of this episode really stands out to me. I mean, at the end when she's in the castle and they're cutting between the suit of armor and the pictures of her grandmother and all, there are all these little visual hints to the show's history. That's very well done in my eyes. Actually, when I I first watched that scene, I mean, this episode aired a lot. So whenever I saw that scene, it just had such such a sense of gravitas with like the imagery and the music and, uh, just the dialogue, everything that I felt like I was watching a moment in television history, seriously, while watching it. Wow. <laughs> yes. I did. I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. I will always remember watching this and everyone in the world will too. So then, <laughs> I, I, seriously. And so then when I came to realize that no one knew about this show, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> seriously. Well, you know, I mean, so awesome. yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree that it's a very profound, a very memorable, well assembled moment. I don't know about it being, you know, one of the great moments in television history, but. Um. I mean, is a 10 year old watching this show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I just assumed everyone else was watching it too, you know? <sighs> well, you know, why weren't they? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and like I said, it really. They, there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong with the story because the conclusion is almost entirely emotion-driven. And if Kara and uh, Mackenzie and the actor playing the grandfather didn't come through on the performances that were needed for that stuff, it probably wouldn't have worked. But because 
they're handling their characters so well, it becomes a really memorable, fantastic moment. Just uh, really ends the episode on a super strong note. I mean, Emily noted it earlier how, um, you know, Molly's father says to her, you're always welcome here, which is a nice way to bring the whole thing with the, the plaque around. And it just, it feels like an emotionally complete episode and it, Rewatching it, it kind of bumps me out that we never actually see Molly's parents again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even know if they get an email from them or not. I think like we see show. emails. I feel like we do. Oh, and I'm I'm. Well, we have in the past, like in Rebecca. Yeah, like to Grandma, or like from Grandma to Jack, something like that. Yeah, and um, another thing, I'm I was counting on you guys to catch this. Uh, Jack is emailing somebody. Oh yeah, it is Gabe. Okay. Yeah. I was I was hoping you guys would catch that because it went by and I didn't feel like going back and looking at it. I'm thinking like, eh, the girls will catch it. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, yeah, like I have seriously just gone frame by frame to try to read as much of that email as possible. (laughs) Actually, with the original script, uh, it includes the additional material, and the letter from Gabe lines up perfectly with what was on the screen in the show. So. Check that out if you want to read the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Gabe's email is jacksangel mm-hmm. at tadbraxel.com, I believe. So what we're saying, well, so what we really discover is that Gabe's family didn't get online until after they met Jack and Molly and Fee. <laughs> well, remember, like the rats shoot through their wires, and Fiona was the one who discovered that. <laughs> oh Jesus! Like, like you know, you guys are the things that catch stuff. Like you've seen the show way more than I have. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a fact, Zach. (laughs) Yeah, in the email, Jack says that he's so excited to visit her. So it's nice to think that they, I don't know, see each other in the the weird universe before season three. (laughs) Yeah, another reference to what really astonishingly good continuity the series had. Like, this was a cable channel Disney show. It didn't need to be as well assembled as it is. It's a shame. Thought it was wrecked in season three. <laughs> a shame. And now we have like, reached read- the shitting on season three portion of the podcast. <laughs> I have read theories about what happened to Gabe in season three. And these theories range from she died of leukemia, Jesus. too dark for Disney, so we just never hear about her again, to Gabe, uh, this Gabe and Jack broke up sometime in season two, and to cover it up, the Gabe that Jack started seeing was a boy named Gabe. And I'm not sure where they were going with that, but that's yeah. just what I remember. You know, to, like, I don't even remember the rest. Well, you know, or maybe they just broke up because long distance relationships never work. You know, I mean, there there's could be just a mundane explanation here, guys. We don't need a, you know. <laughs> They're teenagers too. You yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But in our hearts, we wanted it to go on. (laughs) Or at least have some sort of conclusion. Well, you know, if only... That's not even in the top ten of plot points that were left dangling in season three, so... But I'm still (laughs) upset about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so overall, I mean, like I said, this is a really very good episode. I mean, I, I, I am serious when I say it's... If it's not my favorite So Weird episode, it's like number two. It's way up there for me. This is one that definitely had an effect on me as a kid, and going back and rewatching it still holds up really well. 
Agreed. As a child, I think this was my favorite episode. Like, it was tied between this one and the strange geometry. Well, that's a good one, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one's definitely my top five, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it as a kid, and I thoroughly enjoy it now. And actually, I was telling Kathy before we started that when I rewatched it the other day, I cried a little, so... <laughs> <sighs> it can well, still affect me even now. You know, it gets you a little misty-eyed. <laughs> yeah. It was when Thee was shouting at uh, what I presumed to be death. I just felt so proud of her. I don't know. She's a great Same. character. Oh, oh, and speaking of Fiona, I, I can't believe I almost forgot this. So that opening monologue, every episode opens with this little info dump about the mystery of the week. And overall, I think that opening is maybe a little too flippant and comedic for what is generally a pretty serious episode. But it does give mm -hmm. us that shot of Fiona doing the Irish jig, which is super adorable. Yeah. And, and justifies the whole opening's existence, in my opinion. <laughs> Here, I thought you were going to talk about the beauty of those shots of Ireland. Oh, I mean, yeah, sure, that's pretty, <laughs> but that's also stock footage that you can probably have seen a thousand times before. So, but well, we also I like Holly's resting bitch face as she's playing the guitar. <laughs> and that scene, like, she looks so dead to the world in that scene. Well, you know, who knows what Mac was going for at the time, but uh, that was definitely a second unit shot. You know, that was not a first unit shot there. That was a that was a reshoot or something. I think originally they were hoping to get shots of Molly, Jack, and Fee on an actual trip to Ireland based on what's written in the script for the opening monologue. Uh, but I don't know. That probably would have looked a little green screeny or something. Yeah, there was no way that was within the show's budget. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so definitely have to mention, you know, Fiona and her little green skirt. And, um, and you know, and I was re-watching it just earlier today, of course, and there's that scene where Molly goes into the kitchen and her mom's baking cookies. And for a minute there, I'm thinking like, oh, they're not going to have her baking like some, or making some sort of stereotypically Irish meal or something, right? No, okay. She's, she's not boiling cabbage. It's just cookies. No. <laughs> it could have been Irish soda bread. But now it's cookie dough. Yeah, and you know, and I noticed that Molly picks up a bit of the, the cookie dough and has a, a bit, or picks up a cookie that's already been taken out or something. Mm -hmm. You know, the little things you notice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so anybody have anything else they need to say about this? That they need to say? Um, I really love that Jack carries Fiona back and tucks her in with a blanket when he brings her in. Yeah, it's a little moment, but it's real cute. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, you guys, I think I already talked about the scene where Molly's singing, but um, like we hear a little bit of the dad talking back to her so we can actually see um, how they interact with each other. And man, the, the things that the dad said is just so mean to me. Like if my dad said stuff like that to me, I think I would just cry because... <laughs> Um, I think she's admitting that she got a record deal, but she's on her own now, so she's scared. And he's just like, okay, well, you'll survive, because you mm -hmm. always do. Yeah, like I and said earlier, he's he is pretty pretty big jerk to her. Yeah. And then she, I don't know, they get into a fight because she wanted to stay. But the dad thinks, like, oh, you're, you only want to stay to look after me because you're scared that I can't look after myself. So Molly wants to go back home already, and he comes in while she's packing, and she he says, you never were, were good sticking around for a fight. So mean. <laughs> yeah. 
And I feel like that hints that, like, Molly probably ran away from home when she was a teenager. Yeah, I mean, they never come out and say that, but they're definitely, you know, you, you get the impression that Molly left home as soon as she could because her and her dad just did not get along. Yeah. Yeah, and you can, I mean, if you listen and read the lyrics of The Rock, I mean, she kind of explains, like, you know, pulling up roots is that much easier to do. Yeah, um, and also something I want to mention about the lyrics is recently in the uh, the Twitter feed, Emily posted a picture of herself at the low rock wall by the Cliffs of Molnir. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I actually went there in 2009, and at the time I, I did not make the connection between where I was and So Weird, uh, which just, to me, now I'm just like hitting myself over the head, <laughs> really, <laughs> for me, by the low rock wall. By the close some more so it's pretty cool yeah and it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful everyone should go if you can at some point uh hopefully on a good weather day mm-hmm. and another thing about the song lyrics does anybody have the um the translation of the gaelic and the rock okay oh, yeah it's so, on the forum okay is it legit though because okay the person who wrote that was probably uh ally marie matheson right Mm-hmm. Or who was it? Or, One of them is actually from Ireland. Oh, right, um, isn't Ellen Marie Matheson? Or the other the, Anne Marie Montad? I, I get them yeah, confused. Montad was a musician. Yeah, it would be okay. Her. So, yeah, she probably wrote them, but I remember seeing somewhere that someone from Ireland translated them and said it was jargon, like it, it like it made no sense. Uh, so. I don't know what's real or not real. <laughs> oh. But but do we know what it's supposed to mean? Because, you know, dur- during the bridge of the song, I mean, I'm going to mangle it, but she says something like, uh, or something like that. Well, the lyrics that I found from some old, so weird fan site, in parentheses next to those lyrics, it says, this island, my Ireland, which she says in the... Earlier oh, okay. Oh, well, that's nothing fancy. I thought it was some secret message. I'm underwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, when I heard it, I thought it was a spell, right? And that's why the, the rings light up. And, oh, she somehow said a spell that, yeah. Knowing <laughs> it. And then her, the spell traveled through the ring to the other ring. Well, oh, it, it works. Like a five-year-old object thing. I know, right? Well, you know, l- listeners, that's when you take a shot when somebody on the podcast overthinks something. <laughs> <laughs> that's the so weird podcast drinking game. Uh, take a shot when somebody shits on season three. Takes a shot when somebody <laughs> overthinks something. You know. <laughs> um. So I googled um, those gaelic or irish lyrics and it took me to this irish gaelic translator website thing and it's like this forum and someone's like does anyone know what this means it's from this song that i like called the rock <laughs> did anybody did answer um someone put maybe this island my own ireland okay well that's pretty close yeah all right. Well, I'm glad we solved that mystery. Uh, <laughs> so is anything anybody else wants to get in? In the original script, I guess mm-hmm. I could bring up, you know, they're, they were going to bring back the, uh, the actual spell book. Um, so Fee was going to show it to Grandma Kathleen, and then 
Grandma Kathleen was going to start reciting the same spell that Fee spoke in Strangeling. And Fee was going to stop her and say, uh, don't do that, because that was a really bad idea. <laughs> Which I'm kind of glad they cut that out, because that seems really careless for an adult to do. Yeah, and it also yeah. doesn't really it doesn't really tie into the episode in any way. It's just a callback. Mm-hmm. Though you know, I, you know, you want to talk about so weird props that are kind of a holy girl. That spell book, that'd be an awesome one to get a hold of. I'm sure it's gone now, but yeah. Oh, what did they do with all the props? <laughs> probably Likely. in a vault in Disney somewhere. You know, no, they probably got thrown out or reused for something. But you know, the Just spell like watch. Imagine it got like reused on Wizards of Waverly Place. Or something. I mean, that was a long time later, so who knows? But um, yeah. But like the spell book and the alien hand puppet from the pilot, you know, these are the, the so weird artifacts mm-hmm. I'd love to have. <laughs> mm-hmm. The ring, of course. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, if you're into jewelry. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, general, are we ready to go into our general thoughts on this one? Just our, our ratings and such? Um, yeah, I'm going to rate it a 10 out of 10. So I think it had everything that I liked. <laughs> it had a like, great song, um, all the emotional stuff that I like. Uh, it involved, you know, the main cast. I mean, it didn't have Ned and Irene, but um, all the lore stuff. Like, I don't know. I had everything. So, yeah, 10 out of 10. I mean, for me, I'd put it at 9 out of 10 because I almost never give out 10 out of 10 ratings on anything. But, um I would, yeah, I would rank this way, way up there. Like I said, it's it's probably my favorite episode. If it's, you know, one of the best so weird episodes in general, and probably the best episode of season two. So, definitely a fave. I would agree with ten out of ten or an A plus plus. It's a superb episode. You get to delve into Molly's background. You get the cute Jack Fee moments. You get the mentions of Rick. The theme of death and how to deal with it. And Bandpaw. We didn't talk about Bandpaw. <laughs> Wait, what was but that? that uh, since we don't have the Nuss ship in this episode, since Ned's not here, and the <laughs> boss isn't here either, the ship for this episode is Bandpaw. Banshee plus Grandpa. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, man, you guys. <laughs> and their song... Is that Clay Aiken song? Wait, they have a song? <laughs> yeah, they have a song. It's the Clay Aiken song. How it goes. But you know, we almost we almost got through this episode without some weird shipping thing. <laughs> almost made it. Well, um Kat is the maker of our so weird shit videos that are hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so when you say they have a song, it's it's you're the one who did it. It's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> but it's them. It is. It's about wanting to watch you as you sleep. Yeah. That's just perfect <laughs> because that's what she was doing. She was watching him as he slept. <laughs> you, uh, man, sometimes. I just don't <laughs> know what to do with but you, Yeah, even besides that. <laughs> Top marks. Uh, yeah, I give this episode two thumbs up. It's in my top five. It's not quite my favorite. And I think ultimately why, as much as I love all of these badass moments and, like, the stuff, you know, between Molly and her dad, the ending, the rings thing still bugs me. I I know you all have made your point, but I don't know. It just, 
uh, to me it throws me off. I think it's just because I'm bitter that they didn't keep in the original ending. Uh, <laughs> but also, yeah, but also the, you know, the ending with um, Molly and her dad, I feel like it's a little bit like right after they sing the song with what her dad says to her, just kind of, uh, it's, it, I, I almost feel like they I wish they toned it down a little bit because he says to her, I'm really proud of you, Molly. Like a few minutes after she says, you never said you were proud of me ever. <laughs> He's so, like, Oh, I think I should say that now. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of wish they'd taken that out. That kind of, it, it would have been perfect if that line wasn't there. I know I'm picky, but I'm just explaining why it's not my favorite. Okay. Anyway, moving on. You know, that that's a fair criticism though. Though I got to say, you know, lots of times when we talk about so weird episodes, which is what we do on the show. I say that you can really feel that they were pushing to squeeze this much story into a such a you know a twenty five minute episode of TV. But um, for this one, I actually don't have this problem. I think this episode's really well paced, and I don't mm -hmm. ever feel like they were trying to put in more or things or there are obvious things they had to cut or anything like that. Just me personally. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know I've heard people say that they don't totally. They feel like the relationship between Molly and her dad wasn't. Uh, developed well enough throughout the series like it's just this one episode but as we've discussed it is brought up in uh, previous episodes if you actually you know watch as religiously as we do I guess <laughs> oh guys we didn't mention the thing about Fiona and the Banshee knowing her somebody brought up something on, on the forum or something about how Fiona may be the reincarnation of her great grandmother and there is that moment in this episode where the Banshee says to Fee, calls her Fiona, and says they've met before. And before we recorded off mic, I just said that, oh, well, maybe that could be foreshadowing to that. Though none of us really put too much faith in that theory. It seems like a bit of a uh, stretch, but sure, why not? Yeah. Or maybe she just thinks that Fee looks a lot like her grandma in the end. I don't know. I took it as like a family resemblance type thing. Yeah. Like lineage wise, like your blood is your parents' blood, you know? Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and I sort of saw it as kind of more foreshadowing about their the family's background as witches, so to just sort of make that connection between Fiona and her grandmother more explicit. Mm -hmm. I think so too. All right. So uh, do we have any feedback this week, Kathy? Yeah. Um you, you should make a really cool infographic for us that's like the so weird feedback corner. <laughs> Ooh, <nah. laughs> uh, so we got a few comments from Melissa and on one of them I think it was the lost episode she had said that she had a flashback to what had to be 2004 she was flipping through the channels and she saw so weird running on ABC Family and this was a couple years ago after I stopped watching because Disney stopped airing it and she remembers saying, like, oh, oh, my God, I missed this show, and being, like, being really excited. But that was the only time that she had ever saw it on ABC Family. And she's not sure if anyone else saw that mm -hmm. or if she, I don't know. I no. do remember the famous Jet Jackson playing on ABC Family for a short <laughs> amount of time and being really excited about that. I don't remember seeing So Weird on there, though. And I also remember Famous Jet Jackson and maybe a couple other So Weird shows played on a Disney XD for a really short period of time. 
Yeah, I haven't. I heard don't anything. remember that at all. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about it being on ABC Family. Maybe it could be. An <clears throat> It could be another one of those weird programming guide errors. Like I've mentioned this before, how sometimes uh, Nickelodeon, the show Avatar, the last airbender would be listed as so weird because of the episode named Avatar. Um, mm -hmm. But if she said she actually saw it on ABC family. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about that. Maybe, I mean, is she in the U S maybe this was a Canadian thing or something. I we don't know. I definitely <laughs> remember seeing famous Jet Jackson on ABC family like around the same time period, like 10 years ago. It didn't last long, but it was definitely there. So it's possible that So Weird played on ABC Family 2 for maybe like a week or two. Hmm. Yeah. Anybody Anybody else in the So Weird fandom remember this? Let us know. <laughs> she had commented on our Listen episode, and it's about Molly and Carrie Ship. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm going to bring that up. Uh, she said, it's funny you guys were talking about um, that ship is something you can't unsee when you finally see it or it gets brought up. I never saw it before because of the age difference and knowing that Carrie had to grow up knowing Molly as an aunt figure. And Molly was probably there that. when he was born. Honestly, the idea of them together about that. just feels gross to me. So I don't ship it at all. But I definitely see it ever since rewatching it after hearing about the ship on the forum. Funnil funnily, <laughs> I actually ship Molly with Tad, though. I never did Ew. until my most recent rewatch. I was giggling at when you were talking about that ship in the podcast for Simplicity. It was funny how you were like, no one ships that or something, and I was like, raise his hand. <laughs> <laughs> we found the shipper for Tad and Molly. <laughs> what is their name, Mad? Mad. Oh, must every Molly. ship have some? <laughs> must every Molly. ship had some portmanteau combination? Is that necessary? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's half the fun. It, what, what's a uh, Molly Carey is Mary or some shit? Yeah, oh, Mary. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, thanks for recently watching all our episodes. I think you had said on the forum that. You had something dealing with the dentist, and so you had time off. So I hope you enjoyed it. Not the dentist, the podcast. But hopefully the dentist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for all the feedback. And please, more. Give us more. We crave it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is from the Finding Buglantis person. They commented on our UPA episode. They said, I think at the end of the episode, Tad says something like, are you guys really from the government or have I been duped? And then one of those guys rips off his fake mustache and goes, what do you think? So I always assumed maybe they were from some kind of illegal organization or something. Yes, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. I mean, I don't they're from the men, they're the men in black. Come on, guys. It's clear. It's <laughs> obvious. <laughs> I always thought that like, they were from like another country's government, and like they were spies or something. But Upa's was one of the episodes that I never fully understood. Yeah. No, we should probably just ask John Cooksey these questions at some point. <laughs> we should. He's he's so chill. He'd definitely answer them if he mm -hmm. knew. For Is sure. his uh his Twitter account still private or? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good point. <laughs> well. I'm he he follows or I follow him. I followed him before as well, private. So 
Yeah, he, he definitely made his account private because of all of you so weird fans out there who just wouldn't stop asking him questions. That's obviously the reason why, definitely. <laughs> and then we got a comment from Andrea for the episode UPA, and she talks about Banshee as well. Um, she said, I appreciate the various opinions on Tad Raxel. It gives me another perspective on his character. And prior to this episode review, I thought he was downright annoying and nothing else. And then she says that she's excited for the Banshee podcast because finally there will be discussion on an episode that is so important to the Rick arc um, that it's an ingenious episode because it gives us our first hint that there's something more I miss about his death than a mere car accident. And we finally get a better understanding of Molly's difficult relationship with her parents, which was referenced in Rebecca. And she said that it makes me sad that her father was so cold to her when he said, you'll survive, you always do. Sounds especially harsh thing to say to a daughter who lost her husband and who was now carrying on her career without him. But his bitterness makes Molly's reconciliation with her father all the more sweet and touching at the end. I'm glad they made peace with one another. Because as we said, Molly is a broken character. Can you imagine the heartbreak she would endure if the Banshee took him before she can make things right with him? Oh, that's a beautiful comment. Um, mm. And she says, one more thing I appreciate about Banshee is the importance of the rings finally come into play. During <laughs> uh, The Rock, the rings glow and the scene transitions to show Fee's own illuminated ring. It's more than a smooth change of the setting. My theory is that the mm -hmm. rings demonstrate a st strong spiritual connection between he, Rick, and Molly, and that maybe the glowing of the ring silently revealed the true gravity of Rick's death to the Banshee, which prompted her to let Fiona's grandfather live in order to maintain the balance of life and death. Wow, you know, sometimes I feel like Andrea is listening from the future because it seems <laughs> like she hits a lot of the same beats we talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting idea. I can warm up to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I liked that you said that um, you're glad that they got the reconciliation because what if the Banshee did take away her dad before they made peace with each other? Well, that would have been a real bummer, though. It probably would have been real more realistic. I mean, in my experience, uh, parents that are distant from their kids usually go to their graves without patching things up. Yeah. But it's good to see the nice stuff on TVs. <laughs> well, that's why we watch television, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I like that she brought up that we, you know, just the moment when we learn again that, you know, Rick may have been taken before his time and all that, uh, or wasn't taken naturally, I guess. That always gives me chills hearing mm -hmm. the Banshee say that. Me too. And as we said, that would become super important going forward for the rest of season two. So, mm -hmm. And ultimately unsolved. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, there it is again. So, <laughs> All right, so is uh, anything else? Um, that's it. All right. Hold so, on. Can we uh -oh. get a iTunes review? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just figured we should include that one to encourage people to go on iTunes. Is it a positive iTunes review? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Five stars. Yes. Definitely appreciate the positive reviews on iTunes. Thank you so much. I don't I don't actually see those numbers, but um <laughs> We got a review on iTunes uh, from Miss Tips and she said I always look forward to the next episodes, and even when they get off topic, 
It is still related to the show and makes you feel like you're part of the group. Just wish that So Weird was a show with many seasons so there could be just as many episodes of this show. Aww. That's very sweet. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Tips. It is. Mm-hmm. I like to think we don't ramble off topic too much. Yeah. <laughs> we try. Yeah, that's so nice to hear. Um, so is is that it? Um, okay, so, um, well, it looks like we've come to the end of this episode, and we got through the whole thing without a single Dwayne Johnson reference. This has been the So Weird Podcast. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. I'm Kat. And keep the faith, one and all. Sure. Bye. Bye. <laughs> the funds and the valleys are ringed with the stones of the men who built walls so as to be more alone. All that's left of them now are their fears and their bones. But the rocks they pulled up were all I've ever known. The rock fought my spirit, the rock fed my anger. The rock broke my heart like the waves of the sea. I tried hard to fight, but it still grew inside me. This island, my island, the rock is in me. child grew unforgiving and cold was the home that I knew but knowing the soil holds no harbor for you makes pulling up roots that much easier to do I see in you beauty I could never replace.